podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carol Matchett. How are you, sir? Delighted to be speaking to you with such regularity. Yes, indeed. On time today, the pair of us, mm-hmm. keeping podcasts within a listenable length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know who the bad influence was. Um, again, this seems to be cropping up. That's exactly it. Wait till next week and we'll be back to being 20 minutes late and doing four-hour pods. Um, today, we're here to talk about Liverpool versus West Ham on Wednesday night, but... West Ham don't really deserve a full hour. So we have a question in Discord from Mr. Ecker. Now, the question he posed was, do the Liverpool rebuild with only free agents or rejects some other clubs have to be seen as a flop currently? And we're just going to twist it ever so slightly and say that basically in this thought process, Liverpool have signed, are signing Jude Bellingham. That is going to swallow the whole budget and the rest we will do from free agents. So I suppose the first place to start, Carl, is what positions do we want to fill in this exercise? Yes, um, I would suggest that, you know, if we're, we're imagining that this new sporting director comes in and decides, yep, Jude is key, we get him, and there's also still going to be a few outgoing. So looking at who will leave Liverpool and who could leave Liverpool, it feels possible at the very least that Callagher goes so we will need one goalkeeper um, yeah. I think that we both agree there's this high time for an additional centre-back probably at the expense of Joel Matip um, so yeah. probably looking at centre-back I'm definitely looking at at least one full-back we'll, we'll see who and where um, I think two more midfielders at a minimum and then at least one for the forward line okay Right, well, let's let's start with the goalkeeper then. Callagher going, we will need somebody that can be relied upon uh, for cup competitions and if, if there is a situation that arises in the league where Alisson misses games or in the Champions League. I think we would both pass on David De Gea. Um, David Soraya is an option from Hitafe. Inaki Pena from Barcelona, uh, Thomas Vaklik from Huddersfield. He's had a pretty poor season. Um, Arnaud Tennis from Barca is very highly regarded. And then there's more experienced offers like Benoit Castile, uh, Timo Horn, who's been linked to us in the past and Jürgen might have some interest in. Um, I'm guessing we're not going to consider Loris Karius. And Guillermo Ochoa is probably a little bit past the point 
where he would be useful unless you told him that every game was a World Cup game, in which case he would turn into Lev Yashin. So I think the real options here are probably Inaki Pena, Arno Tennis, Benoit Castile, and Timo Horn. Would there be anybody else that you'd look at and suggest that would be worth considering? Uh, I think the only additional one, and I don't honestly know what sort of shape he'd be in now because I don't think he's had some a club all year, uh, Stephen Henderson, uh, the Irish goalkeeper. If you were looking for a third, you might be looking to call upon someone like him as well, uh, depending on what level Liverpool's current youngsters are all at, which is a bit mm. difficult to know if you're not following them all, which I'm not. So out of the list that you've suggested, I think Arnaud Dernas is probably the one with seems to be the highest ceiling. As you say, he's really highly rated. He's been involved with the Spanish youth teams. Barca have you know, tried to bring him along a little bit. Um, so would be particularly keen on him. And if not, if you just want the safe pair of hands, you know, has just you know, had some games and has been around the sort of top flight, I guess I would be looking at either Soria from Getafe or Marco Sportiello from Atalanta. Oh, Sportiello's a good shout. Uh, as a, as a squad player, sorry, it does interest me. He he would be really interesting, but I've realised, Carol, that I've left out the obvious choice, which is one of your all-time favourites. Asmir Begovic is available on a free this summer, and that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. David Soria fits the bill in terms of experience. I don't think he'd be overawed by. Uh, by big occasions. He's been to the Bernabeu, he's been to the Camp Nou. He's been around a long time and he's been at big clubs before. He spent most of his youth career between the two Madrid clubs. He also spent a long time with Sevilla. So I think he might be the choice here. He's also 6'4 and we know that Jurgen does like a big goalkeeper. So I think he might be the choice here. I think he's the best one. Whether he would accept to come into a club where Alison Becker is in goal, I have my doubts. I think at 30 years of age, he's probably keeping himself uh, an agent here so that he can get a bigger move, a bigger club, a bigger starting position. True. But if he would want to just you know, take a couple of years, win some medals and still be 32, 33 and move on, maybe we could sell him in that regard. Um, if not him, Arnaud Tennis is is probably the one to go for. The only issue I would have with him is for a goalkeeper, he's not the tallest, um, which again isn't isn't the be all and end all. But Jurgen has a proclivity for very tall goalkeepers. You look at who he had at Dortmund in uh, Vedenfeiler, and then at Liverpool, he's always gone for. Taller goalkeepers. Loris Carrius is 6'3, Allison 6'4. Tennis is only 6'1, but he is a, an outstanding goalkeeper and he's also noted for his communication and his leadership. He's the captain, I think, of, of the team he plays with for Barcelona. Um, so if he would be the pick, I'd be more than happy with him. Fair enough. He may also, may also grow a tiny bit more as well. Another inch or so. 21 years of age. It's possible. It is possible. It is possible. Right. Well, we'll mark down Arno Tenas, Tenas from Barcelona as the goalkeeper. <laughs> and we will move on to central defenders. I think it's fair to say we can probably rule out Milan Skriniar. He is away 
to PSG by the looks of things, and I'd imagine his wages will be obscene as well. Um, Evan and Dicker has been linked to us and could be both centre-back and left-back, which would make sense. I, I do think he's a little bit error-prone. I don't think he's the best defender in the world, but he is a good player and certainly wouldn't be against the signing of a player of his ilk. Uh, Inigo Martinez is a good player, but it looks like he may go to Barcelona. Cagliostro seems to have agreed to go to Atleti. Yeri Mina, if not for the injuries, would fit what we're looking for quite well. But the injuries are the most prominent thing about him over the last few years. John Paul Van Heck is an interesting one. Young Dutch centre-back at Brighton, who's good on the ball, comfortable stepping out with the ball. He's not the tallest of centre-backs. I think he's about 6'2", but he is well-schooled. He has he is well-thought of, and I do wonder if he might be somebody worth considering. Yeah, um, I think... If we're realistically suggesting this is going to be a fourth choice centre back, um, with Gomez perhaps trying to rediscover old form and be the third, especially with this sort of role that Canate has been doing uh, of late, sort of pushing out to one side, then I think there are a few here who are reasonable, if not great. Um, I think another Brighton defender on the list there is Joel Veltman. That's a, a relatively interesting one as well because he's played right back so much for them. And um, we don't really have anybody who does that. Um, I think Inigo Martinez is the best one there. But like you say, mm. it appears to be done. I might, if the wages were reasonable, be tempted to go for Yeri Mina. I really might. Just as a Joel Matip replacement in terms of that aerial presence. Not so much great at winning than Matip, but he's still big. He's still awkward to get past. Mina's a bit quicker over the ground. He's definitely better in the air than Matip. Yeah. I might be I might be tempted by that, even with the injuries. Yeah, because, I mean, I suppose if you're not playing him very often, he, you know, he's not going to get injured as often. And we, we've had Joel, who's had continuous injury problems over his Liverpool career. Um, he certainly fits the bill physically. He's got the talent. There's there's no question there, I don't think. Um, One other. A, Sorry. I was just going to say, could I interest you in a, in a Jurgen Klopp and Mats Hummels reunion if it's just a fourth centre-back that we're looking for? Um, no. No, I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> um, there is one actually, one other on the list who I would definitely take, especially if the, the salary was not outrageous, which I don't expect it would be, and I think he would be capable of being third choice, and that's Nacho from Real Madrid. Yeah, and he can play pretty much everywhere. I just don't think he'll ever leave Real Madrid. Yeah. I think he'll do a succession of one-year contracts for the next four or five years and just stick around as long as they want him. I think the only chance he leaves is if they tell him they don't want him anymore, and even then he might just retire because I think he takes great pride in the fact that he's been kind of a, a one-club man for so long. But I would take Nacho. I, I, think, he's, I think he's still a, a very good defender. Um, I, I'd be happy to go with Yerry Mina. I mean, and, and Dicker makes a lot of sense because he can also cover the left-back spot, but I'd imagine he, he's going to have a lot of offers and the wages are going to be quite high. 
so yeah, will we will we go Yeri Mima? Uh, I think so, unless you want either of the <clears throat> let's say the um, most notable two I can find who are not just coming out of contract but already there. Uh, Nikola Maksimovic, who used to be the um, Napoli and Genoa centre back, that one. Yeah, Nikola Maksimovic is kicking about, obviously, but he's one. Uh, and the other one is Eliakum Mangala, formerly of Valencia, Man City, and a whole load of YouTube videos of making mistakes. I wonder how slow he is these days. I'd imagine it's remarkable how slow he is. Um, Maksimovic was a monster at Genoa, went to Napoli, and it just never worked at all. And it should have worked. Him and Koulibaly should have worked, but it just never did. Uh, no, no, we'll pass on him and we'll go with Yeri Mina. Right. right, we we're looking for a full back. Now, if Costa stays, we don't need a left back, so we are looking for a right back. And I think this is a, a good place where you can pick up a, a homegrown player on a free and kind of alleviate some of the concerns people seem to have about our homegrown issues. Now there are some other names here, and I'll, I'll go through them with you. Nelson Semedo. I know you've never really been a fan, but he's got a lot of experience. Uh, Joel Veltman, you mentioned, can play centre-back or right-back. Matt Doherty uh, has now failed at Atletico Madrid, having failed at Spurs. Vladimir Kufal, or Sufal, of West Ham. Uh, Hector Bellerin and his moustache. Serge Aurier. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Ola Aina, who I think you know can play left and right and, and, and fits the bill quite a bit, and, and he's homegrown. And the other one is Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who can obviously play in, in a multitude of positions, but if you're looking for someone to back up Trent, which is the, the objective here, I do think he's probably the one that fits the bill the best. Yeah, I think Maitland-Niles is <clears throat> quite an easy first pick there. I'd have Ola Aina second, and then third choice, either Veltman or Hugo Mayo, who's at Celta Vigo, long-term right back for them. Yeah, he's been captain there for years, hasn't he? Yeah. It would be a surprise if they let him leave, but maybe maybe the time has come. I'm going to say we just go for, for Maitland-Niles. I, th- I think he is the best of the bunch. I think and... you pretty much agreed we should be going for him anyway. Yes, 100%. 100% he should be on Liverpool's list for this uh, this season. Let's go to the forward position before we do the midfield options. Um, uh, there is one standout name that jumps out to me here. It's not Lionel Messi. It's not Karim Benzema. It's Marcus Turam, who can play all across the front line, is 25. So, you know, just coming into his peak years. And I think 
from a physical point of view would offer something something different that we don't necessarily have um there are two others that really stand out to me uh if we wanted someone to be a primary mo backup marco asensio he's long been linked with liverpool jürgen is known to have a bit of a a fancy for him and the other one is someone i know you don't you don't like and you will shoot down but will zaha to me would would make a lot of sense given age profile and um experience and and the fact that he is homegrown i think he wants to go somewhere and compete for the big the biggest honors i think he'd be accepting of a squad role and given we seem to have decided cody gakbo is a nine rather than a left winger perhaps you could look at jota and as the backup to mo Gakpo and Darwin as the central options and then Zaha is your alternative to Diaz on the left but is there anyone else there that catches the eye for you? Yeah there's quite a few actually which I would I would at least look at here I think Reese Nelson is one Arsenal but you know he's 23 now he's not really made it in the first team scene so maybe that would rule him out of genuinely competing against some of our players uh, Lucas Moura of Spurs is another one who I've always quite liked to be honest mm. but Again, last two years, not really made any impact. Is there really the drive, determination there from him? Not sure I see that all the time. And the other one is such an enigma and certainly how to use him in the best way is still up for debate at 27 years of age. But there is still something about Adama Traore which just makes me want to take the plunge (laughs) and just, just let him run riot in a much, much better side than he's been at previously. Um, so I must admit, you know, as a as an, a Salah alternative, as a just completely different line breaker, I'm kind of tempted to say Traore, but I think the two who make most sense are either Asensio or Turam. Turam because he can play through the middle or from the flanks, and like you say, he's a little bit different to many of our players. I don't think inside the penalty box he's anywhere near as good as any of our players, to be perfectly honest. No. But then Asensio, obviously, you've got the ability to play as an eight as well as from the left-hand side. Oh, sorry, from our right-hand side on his left foot. Yeah, and he is someone that we've long been long been linked to. He is someone that has had a bit of a, a resurgence over the last couple of years. It took him quite a while, I think, to recover from that ACL tear that he had, which was such a badly timed thing for him because he was really starting to establish himself as a star at Real when his knee blew up. Um, he's been at Real now as the first team player for seven seasons, which is a fairly impressive juncture for him. But if, if the talent is is really appealing and he, he does have that ability to just pull something very, very special out of the bag. Uh, I wouldn't be against it at all, I have to say. I, I would probably prefer Turam because of he's a couple of years younger. He doesn't have any injury concerns. But I, I'm not against Asensio if, if that's the way you want to go. If it was, let's say, Firmino's obviously going, Saladao and Diaz and Gakpo as four, would you then keep Jota as a fifth and sign one of these three or sell Jota and sign two of these three? Who are my three? Asensio, Turam. And the wild card. Oh, Adama. Um, 
See, I don't know that I can rely on any of them to get me a goal off the bench, and I think I can rely on Jota to get me a goal off the bench. Mm. And I do like having that kind of Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, Chicharito type of presence who comes off the bench and can get you a goal. I think I'd stick with Jota and just take one. And all things considered, I think Asensio is the right choice because... If you're looking at the players we have, Darwin, centre or left, Gakpo, centre or left, Jota, centre, predominantly left, hasn't looked great on the right when we've used them there. So I I do kind of feel like it gives the advantage to bringing in someone whose primary position in the front three would be on the right. So either Adama or Asensio, and I, I... Adama, the idea of Adama is so appealing and what he can do when everything clicks for him. And, like, he's not one who's shy of tracking runners and and doing the dirty work either. But Asensio is probably more of a guarantee. I, I, I really, really would like to see a game or two or ten with Diaz, Darwin and Adama all starting. Like that kind Chaos. of game could be either nil nil or seventeen nil to Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, the and, idea and... of it sometimes seems a lot better than what Adama actually gives it out, but see that's the thing, like he, he's he's the ultimate kind of flatters to deceive player, isn't he, over over the course of his career. I mean this season in 1650 minutes, three goals, two assists. Now, it's it's been in a bad team. Who and don't that's score the, goals. Who don't, yeah, that's the thing. Who don't score goals. And I don't have to hand um, numbers on what his expected assists have been this season. But you look across his career in the Premier League, over 10,000 minutes, 10 goals, 18 assists. It's not great. Um, he had a pretty good re- season in the championship. He went to La Liga last season on loan and looked for about a week and a bit like he was going to absolutely tear the place apart. And then he just falls back into bad patterns of whether it's a lack of motivation, whether it's a lack of self-belief. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I think I'd go with Asensio of the two of them, to be honest. I guess we go with Asensio and be sensible then. I'm so tempted to still go with Adama anyway, to be honest. But... I would go with Wilf, personally, but I know you wouldn't. No, I'm not. I would take I, two around before Wilf. I, I would go with Wilf. I think Wilf can play both wings, can play through the middle. He's an absolute monster off the ball, and he wins a ton of free kicks, which when you've got Trent plus Virgil Ebu. Darwin, Jota, and a bunch of other good players in the air. I think that can be hugely beneficial. But we'll we'll go with Asensio and we'll move to midfield. Just we uh, want quickly. Oh. Fact. So it's a uh, two point eight five expected assists for Traore this season, which is about zero point two one per ninety. So, so not great then. Not huge. Again, this is in Wolves though. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Uh, right into midfield then. So we're looking for two. If we look at Jude as, say, the replacement for Naby, 
then that's him out of the way. So we're really looking for players to replace, well, the midfielder that we lost in Ginny Wijnaldum, plus Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain leaving as well. Um, so one offensive and one controlling as such. Basically, yeah. Now, the one that, that I think would have been ideal is Conrad Lamer for, for squad purposes. Um, don't necessarily think he'd be a starter. But he's going to Bayern, by all accounts. Um, there's Ilkay Gundogan, there's Angolo Kante, there's Tony Cruz, there's Yuri Tielemans, and there's Adrian Rabio. They would all fit more in that kind of controlling role. Daichi Kamada, as an attacking midfielder, would certainly be interesting. Hossim Auer, as an attacking midfielder, would be interesting. Um, Mahmoud Dahoud, as a controller very nearly became one of the first signings of Jurgen Klopp's tenure yeah. at Liverpool. Uh, there's Alex Garcia from Girona, who, who's a good player. Uh, can I interest you in a little bit of Ross Barkley? No, you can't. <laughs> Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Ilya Shkiri is a decent player. Sorry? Ilyas Shkiri of Cologne is a decent player. Yeah, I like Shkiri. Uh, um, I assume we are saying, like, you know, Tony Cruz or Gagundogan are, are no-goes. Yeah, and I think Kante's a no-go as well. I would rule out Ilke Gundogan and Golo Kante, Tony Cruz, Conrad Lamer. <clears throat> uh, Albert Stambi Lakonga is on this list, but he's not out of contract this summer because he, he's on loan. He goes back to Arsenal, where I think he's got a couple of years left, so I don't know why he's there. Um... A couple of already out of contract ones as well, if you want the best of those. Uh, and when I say the best, I'm using that word very, very loosely indeed. But uh, Danny Drinkwater, oh, any, any interest there? No, no, no. Uh, Isco. <laughs> His best mate, James Rodriguez. Oh, God. And uh, Croatian super sub, well, just sub mostly, Philip Braderich. Oh, definitely not. Apparently, other than that, we're out, I'm afraid. So we'll have to go back to the actual expiry list. I think <clears throat> I think the best controller on there is Rabio, and I think the best offensive one is Kamada. I would agree. I would agree. The issue with Rabio is obviously the off-field stuff, mm. but there's no doubting he's a really, really good player. Is there anybody there who is of a... Fabinho alternative, a defensive player who you would take over him then and let's say we eschew the uh, controlling one, let Diago have another season of hopefully staying fit for 80% of it and then we go with a Fabinho alternative plus Kamada as the second because um, I mean I'm looking at that list and I'm I'm a little bit concerned that Jefferson Lerma looks about the best of the defensive mids yeah, him and him Uribe. and Shkiri are the two best defensive midfield players there. And then Mateus Uribe. Mateus Uribe is 32. Florian Grilich would be the one, but he's so injury prone, it's just not worth considering. Um, a little bit of Steven and Zonzi, run it back. No. Stoke, Blackburn, Lennon. Goodell is maybe the one there, but he has been playing centre-back a lot as well. Yeah, and I think that's where he's best suited to. Um... Jan and Via Redemption Tour. Um, we could bring in um, David Moyes' favourite player, Asir Ilaramendi. 
And get him in, Dave. I just get David Moyes talk about him in press conferences. Um, there's there's nobody really on that defensive midfield list that would fill mm-hmm. me, other than Lerm is okay, and I, I do like Shkiri, but I don't know if he's good enough to play for us. There's a lot of uh, former Stoke players on this list. There is a lot of former Stoke players. <laughs> Joshua Gilavogi, another one there as well, I see. I think we'll have to go with, unless you think Nampai's Mendy can finally fulfil his uh, long, long, long-awaited... Next in goal or Kante. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's got to be either Lerma or stick with Rabiot. Unless you think Tielemans has got something in his game which at 25 years of age can make him be able to run again. I don't. <sighs> no, I don't either. I think Rabiot's the choice and I don't think it's particularly close. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. A little bit of Danny Ceballos. We could sign Danny Ceballos, Isco, James Rodriguez and Marco Asensio and we could put together the team Real Madrid thought they were going to have at one point. And then bring back Rafa and put him in charge of all of yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And get every single one of them. And he can put them all on the bench. Um, no, I think... I think not, not for us, but Jason Knight is on this list and some Premier League clubs should pick him up this summer. Um... I would say Adrian Rabio is comfortably the best one there. So I would say Rabio is the one to go with because he is a really good footballer. There's just no doubt he's a really, really good footballer. And I like having that left-footed option in midfield as well. I think he just gives you different passing angles and different approaches. Yeah. So if we go with Rabio. And then the attacking midfielders, you've got Daichi Kamada, uh, a bit of Jay Lings, still Marco, Marco Royce, still Kamada, Manuel Lanzini, still Kamada, David Silva, I'm going with Kamada, Luciano Vieto, Kamada, Lars Stindl, um, Kamada, <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Daichi Kamada, who can also play as a nine, mm. so. And on the left, so which means we that not left side of the attackers. Well, that's the thing. But because we went for Asensio, who'll primarily play on the right, having Kamada, who can also be an extra body, means that you know we were right not to go with Turam. Do you know what I mean? Because Turam's positions are centre and, and left. Yeah. So yeah, so we've got Tenas, Mina, Maitland, Niles, Rabio, and Daichi Kamada. And Asensio. So we're, we're gambling on talent here quite a bit. Um, <laughs> tell you what we're not gambling on. Any kind of speed whatsoever other than Maitland-Niles. Yeah, I mean, about twice a year now, we'll, we'll, we'll gather steam. 
Um, and then he'll be out for three months because he'll have blown his hamstrings Once he off. gets going, he's very difficult to stop. Yeah, he's like he's like a juggernaut, but uh, it's, it's the getting going thing that's been a problem for Yeri. Um, I think it's fair to say it's not a, a vintage list of out-of-contract players this summer. There have been better. Um, but it's not bad. It's not terrible, but I would say I think that this underlines quite heavily going big on a single player is not the way to do it this year. Agreed. Agreed. I do think we'd be right. Look, the thing is, Jude is fantastic, okay? But if he's going to cost 130 million in add-ons, and let's say Moises Caicedo is going to cost 80 million in add-ons, well, the difference there is 50 million, which is another really good footballer, or two potentially good footballers, like potentially really good footballers, if you're smart enough to shop around. Um, and I'd rather have, say, Caicedo, and let's just say it's Mason Mount for 50 million. I'd rather have that than just Jude. Let's assume we do things, let's say, a normal way. We've already said we're not going to go for Jude. Let's assume that was the truth on this occasion. Are there any off this list that you've picked, other than Maitland-Niles, who you still would actually take in a normal going-about-business way? Because I would take Maitland-Niles 1, Kamada 2, and then if I don't care about the rest. If we get them, fine. If we don't, also fine. But I would take those two anyway. Yeah, I would take those two. I, and I would take Rabio. I, I've always been a Rabio fan. When Rabio was at PSG, I was banging the drum for us to sign him when it looked like he was ready to leave. Um, so I would absolutely take Rabio. I think um, the number one Ginny replacement COVID summer. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he was the one that fit the bill the best. So um, I would take Maitland Niles. I would take Rabio. I would take Daichi. I would take Wilf Saha, regardless of your complaints. Um, of the rest, I mean, I I would take Endika if if we had to. He wouldn't be high on my list of of players, but I do think he fits that new kind of hybrid left side defensive role. Um, I've always quite liked Jonathan Bamba, but I, I wouldn't take him for us. Do you know who I would take? Is um, Ben Sabayani from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Just for the set plays. Yeah. <laughs> but he can also play in a number of positions. And I do think he could fit that left-sided role yeah. quite well. Uh, so if Costas were to leave, I think having him in as an alternative to Andy Robertson would be would be decent. I think he's a good player. Um, has Has his flaws, obviously, but... I do think he is a good player. So yeah, I mean, there's a few there. There are definitely a few, and I think if we're if we're clever and we're aggressive with this, we can we can absolutely fill out the needs of the squad uh, with some of these players. I, I don't think you'll find the ideal fit in a couple of positions, but I, I do think you can find good players. I, I'm going to just turn this this conversation back a little bit before we leave this and go to the actual point of this podcast on West Ham. Um, we mentioned the Damatrior and I said 0.21 uh, expected assists per 90 minutes because he's not played all season long, obviously. Mm. I'm just going to give you a couple of comparisons here for the season. Uh, Richarlison, 0.20. Uh, 
Uh, Conor Gallagher, 0.21. Luis Diaz, 0.22. Harvey Elliott, 0.22. Mohamed Salah, 0.23. Morgan Gibbs-White, 0.23. Are you changing your mind? Are you liking what you're hearing, or are we still sticking with Marco? Andy Robinson, 0.25. Andy Robinson's a fullback, though. Yeah, but expected assist per ninety, just as a comparison to what you. Do you have Do you have um, Adama for previous years? One second. Yeah, I do. Give me the last five years. League only, expected assist per ninety. Let's put them in order. <clears throat> so this season with Wolves, 0.21. Last season while with Barca, 0.29. The previous season, so that's 2021 with Wolves, 0.18. 19.20 with Wolves. This was a season where it looks like he started very many of the matches, just over 2,500 minutes. That was his best in terms of actual numbers, four goals, nine assists. Mm. His expected for those was just under four goals and actually seven and a half assists. His expected assist per 90 that season was 0.26. So that was his best, that's his best one with Wolves. The one before that was uh, 0.23. Then with Middlesbrough, 0.08 in the championship. That was where he came in under Tony Pulis, did a lot of running down that wing. Not a lot happened at the end of it, but he certainly caught attention. Uh, and then with Aston Villa, he was only a bit part played. Didn't play very much anyway. So yeah, he kept getting booted up in the air. Yeah. So his second season with Wolves in the Premier League, which was his actual best in terms of real numbers, was also his. Is, is most productive output for both expected goals. Oh no, sorry, second for expected goals and uh, comfortably first in the Premier League for expected assists. Last season with Barca, he was just ahead of that for his XA. Right, we'll take we'll take um, Adama Traore then. For the extra speed over Asensio as well. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Marco. You 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 have to stay living living in Spain. I'm sure that'll be a a tough thing for you to adapt to. Um. Right. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord! Can you can you while you have that tool there? Can you look up Wolf Zaha's expected assists for the last five years? Yeah. Right, meanwhile, you introduce now. us to uh, to West Ham and what's going on, and I'll look up this. Yeah. So this this midweek game against West Ham is an opportunity for Liverpool to continue a push for what will likely be a fifth place finish. Uh, West Ham currently sit 13th in the Premier League. They have finally found a bit of form. They've won three of their last five. They also drew with Arsenal in that five-game run, but they did get walloped by Newcastle 5-1 at home. But this doesn't disguise the fact that they've had a dreadful season. They began with three three straight defeats. Then they beat Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Drew with Spurs, lost two more. Then they beat Wolves, beat Fulham. Drew with Southampton, lost to us at Anfield. Beat Bournemouth, then lost five in a row. And six of seven without a win. And there was a lot of talk around that time that Moyes was on the way out. But somehow he clung on to the job and he went and beat Everton. Then they drew at Newcastle and Chelsea. Then they lost to Spurs. They beat Forest. They got walloped by Brighton, and again, why is Moyes still here, came up. Drew at Villa, 
which was a good result because this is a much better Villa team than the one they played earlier in the season. Then they beat Southampton. Then they got absolutely trucked by Newcastle. But a win away to Fulham, a draw with West, a draw with Arsenal, and a win over Bournemouth has seen them climb out of the relegation area because they were actually in the bottom three multiple times this season and up into 13th and they're probably four points from safety at this point now they've obviously come off the back of two really good seasons last season they finished seventh and got to the semi-final of the Europa League the season before against all expectations they finished sixth when many thought they would get relegated in the summer they went out and spent big money. They brought in Nayef Agard, an excellent centre-back who just hasn't been able to stay fit for them. Alphonse Ariola, who's a, a good goalkeeper that David Moyes, for some reason, doesn't seem to trust fully. Flynn Downs from Swansea, quality midfielder for, for your squad. Uh, Gianluca Scamacca, really good striker, but just hasn't clicked at all. Maxwell Cornet brought in from Burnley. <clears throat> He's been injured a lot of the season. Tilo Carrere brought in from PSG. Solid defender, but has probably been played a little bit too much this season. Uh, Emerson Palmieri, I didn't like the signing of. And they brought in Lucas Paqueta, who I, I think has found great form of late. In January, they signed Danny Ings. And um, I think it's gone okay with Ings, but I, I wouldn't say he's been the turnaround feature of the season. They went out of the FA Cup in the fifth round. They went out of the EFL Cup in the third round. But they are motoring through the Europa Conference League. They won their qualifiers 6-1 on aggregate over over Viborg. They won all six of their group stage games in the Conference League against Anderlecht, Silkborg, and the artist formerly known as Stoya Bucharest. They beat Larnica in both legs and went through 6-1. They drew away to Ghent, but then hammered them at home and went through 5-2 on aggregate and have now been drawn to face AZ Alkmaar in the semi-final, which will be tougher than people think, but they should still go through. Um, Carl, I think they would certainly fit the bill of probably the most disappointing team uh, this season, other obviously than Liverpool and Chelsea, because they'd been in the European spots the last two years. They went with quite a significant um, outlay in the summer and brought in a lot of good players but it just hasn't really clicked for them. And a combination of the injury to Agard, a couple of injuries to Skamaka, and Moyes not necessarily knowing how to use him properly, and then Paqueta struggling through the first half of the season, all really compounded to put them in a bad spot. And, and then obviously the, the big-name players that were there from before, your Declan Rices and your Jared Bones, have had really poor seasons. So... It's been a very difficult season for them and quite a confusing season to watch from the outside. Yeah, I mean, I, we've spoken about the recruitment and the use of the players they bring in before, but I really do think that that's a huge, huge issue. West Ham have struggled. I think Moyes in this particular regard has failed. I mean, the lineup that we'll probably see basically has two new names in it from three years ago, four years ago. That's it. Right? It's going to be Paqueta and Aguerd is the, really the only changes. It's still going to be Creswell probably. It's still going to be Rice and Suchek. It's still going to be Antonio for Niles, Bowen or Ben Rama, one of the two. They're basically the same 11, never mind the same squad. Um, I, I really think that there are at least three or four signings there 
um, even before this summer's group where they really haven't made the best use of them whatsoever. Mm. And then, like you say, Skamaka and Paqueta in particular, other two who this year you would have expected a lot more from. And they obviously would have expected a lot more from as well. I think the fact that Mikhail Antonio is still starting for them up front, despite last season, I didn't think he was that good. This season, he was actually pretty poor for about five months. He's been a bit better of late, certainly. Um, but the fact that they've not really had that regeneration, they've not really had competition for places, you'd probably even say, because those other players never really got much of a chance. You think back to like people like Alex Crowell in particular, just, just completely not utilised yeah. at all. Um, from Lassage. Yeah, so that kind of non-competitiveness in the squad for places, whether by training grounds not improving or impressing enough, or the manager just not trusting or not wanting to make that switch... It doesn't help. It really, really doesn't help. We've seen that in midfield, for goodness sake, this season. So they have that across multiple lines in the side. So I do think that that's a really big thing where they have to improve on from the summer onwards. Um, I, I think that West Ham are basically safe now. Like you say, probably need two, three more points. If they get one more win, nobody's catching them from the bottom three. That's mm. not going to happen. So um, I think that the, the last five matches basically taken three wins out of that has relieved all the pressure in terms of relegation. If they get that one next win fairly quickly, they can really, really just concentrate on the Europa Conference League at that point and try and get silverware and, let's say, a 12th place finish, 13th, will actually not look bad at all in history. Like, even That's the thing. In- and they'll be in the Europa League next season then again, yeah. so they'd be um, able to potentially attract some new players. But, I mean, Carlos, was, the elephant in the room is Moyes. He to his credit, had two excellent back-to-back seasons, having you know come back in and kept them up. He then put together really good back-to-back seasons. But this has been an outrageously bad season by, by David Moyes. And his refusal to use these new players that have been brought in, not just, obviously, like you said, not just this summer, but prior summers as well, is just so strange. And when you look at the Premier League table and you look at the amount of managers that have changed this season. So Arsenal, City, Newcastle and United all still have the same manager they started the season with. Uh, Spurs are about to go on to their third manager. Villa have changed manager. We still have the same manager. Brighton's manager was nicked. They got a better manager. Fulham have the same manager. Brentford have the same manager. That's the top half. Chelsea are on manager number three. Palace are on manager number two. Wolves are on number two. Bournemouth are on number two. Leeds are on number two. Leicester are on number two. Everton on number two. Forest are the only other club other than West Ham in the bottom half that haven't changed manager this season, that haven't sacked the guy in charge. And the reason Steve Cooper's been given so much rope is because he just brought them up into the division last season. So you'd be willing to give him a bit of extra a uh, bit of extra time. But I, I really struggle with why Moyes is still there. I, I assume it's the European run keeping him in, in the job. And I worry that if they win the Europa Conference League, that that will keep him in the job beyond this season. Because I do think West Ham need to refresh things. I think they need to bring in a new manager. And I think if a new manager walks in the door, there's a lot of good players waiting for them. Like... Ariola's a good goalkeeper. I think Ben Johnson is a solid right back. Um, Zuma's a good defender. Career's decent. Agard's very good. You probably need a left back there, but you've got a good right back. You need a left back. 
you've got two good centre backs and one decent backup. And if you keep Ogbonna, you've got two decent backups. Midfield, uh, Rice will leave this summer. I- I'd be selling Suchek as well, but Fornals is a good player. Paqueta is excellent. You've got Vlasic you can bring back off his loan. And up front, you've got Skimaka, you've got Bowen, you've got Ben Rama. That is a, a three ready to go. You've also got Max Cornet can play either wide spot. I don't think they're all that far away from being a, you know, a good team that can continue to compete for the Europa League spots. But I just, I think Moyes is so, he's so against wanting to move on from certain players. I mean, Cresswell and Sufal have been really poor this season. And a big part of it is they've been run into the ground over the last couple of years. The same goes for Thomas Suchek. He's had a really poor season. Declan Rice has had a dreadful season. And for Rice, it's particularly bad because at 24, you would think he'd be more able to just kind of bounce back, but he hasn't been able to. He's been a little bit better of late. But this is your club captain, and he's multiple times this season talked about his desire to leave. I mean, that doesn't sit well with me. I can't imagine it sat well within that squad either. But, you know, Suchek, Antonio, uh, Rice, Bowen, Sufal, Cresswell, these guys have just been run into the ground by Moyes, and he shows no signs of looking to actually move them on. Now, you know, Rice and Bowen you'd want to keep if you're West Ham, but all of the rest are 30 and above, or I think Suchek might be 28. But it is time for them to move on. It is time to move on from Fabianski, who's 38 years of age. Ariola's a better goalkeeper. Look at your European record over the last two years with Ariola in goal. He's a really good goalkeeper, and yet as soon as Fabianski's fit, he's back in for the league games. The guy's 38, and he's not particularly good. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I thought Ariola, when he signed there permanently, it was probably under the impression he was going to be the number one. So I, I have always liked Ariola, to be honest, from very, very young when he was at PSG, when he went to Villarreal, and after that as well. He's, I think he's always been a really decent stopper. I think he should have played a lot more games than he has done. Um, I, I wonder whether Moyes still being in place is is quite a large part. I don't know if this is the case. I'm just speculating here that um, obviously David Gold died earlier in the year and maybe between his family, his estate and um, David Sullivan, obviously just you know, more important things on their mind, just not have to have another thing to worry about and to be concerned about leave Moyes in charge to the end of the season, just sort of trust in the fact that between him and the players who are good enough, they, they will keep West Ham up and then worry about it in summer sort of thing and sort of reassess there. So I do wonder whether that's played a part in it because West Ham were 19th for quite a while, 18th, mm. a little bit, and now they've finally got themselves clear. So you can say also justified in leaving it like that, but I don't necessarily think it's, um, managed let's say that they've done this it's just a fact that they do have better players and eventually they had to put a few performances together um so there's there's a lot still to be done at west ham but like you say i think there's a reasonable base there and even in terms of who they could replace and who they could sell i mean aaron creswell at 33 he's all right he's all right he's always been all right but i don't think he's yeah. ever been better than that and the fact that he's still your first choice left back after you've had like Two or three others have tried to have a go. 
never really been any kind of replacement. Emerson coming in, like you say, has done not a lot, really, if we're being honest. Uh, there was even a little period there. I think it was Fornals at one point was playing left wing back mm. earlier on in the season. So maybe like, you know, next season is a, a, a bit of a, not a sea change if Moyes stays, but, you know, people like Maxwell Corne come and play a much, much bigger role because he was injured earlier on in the season. Then it's difficult to come into a team which is rubbish and all that kind of stuff. So maybe there are easy changes to be made. Corne, Ariola, Scamacca actually playing. Uh, Paqueta in more of a, a central role rather than sort of in a in an awkward number 10 spot for a team who don't actually play through a number 10, don't really get yeah. involved enough. So I think there are easy switches to make there for next season. And like I say, they are just about there now. Yeah, and the thing is, they're, they're going to have the money coming in from Declan Rice. You'd assume they'll get 80 million. Someone will make that mistake. That's going to bring in that can bring in two really good midfielders. And if you add two really good midfielders to Lucas Paqueta, now you've got a really good midfield three, as long as you get the right profile of players. Mm. And all of a sudden, you can have sold Declan Rice and be a better team. Um, And then whatever budget you actually have there can go towards a left-back, which is really and truly the only other need that they'll have. You know, they, they might want to add a few squad players for a bit of depth, but if you've got Ariola behind the back four of Johnson, Zuma, Agard, and whoever, and then those two new midfielders plus Paqueta, and then you've got Bowen, Skimaka, and either Corne or Ben Rama, then then you're going to be in a good a good spot. You'll need some depth, but you'll have what you need to to launch an assault on the top half of the table to go to go far in Europe again next season and maybe maybe have a crack at one of the domestic cups as well. So like I, I don't think it's I don't think they're that far away. I, I I think Moyes it just is is his own worst enemy in this situation because early in the season he was trying to integrate some of the the, the new players and then when when results went bad he just kind of went back into his shell and went back to being the David Moyes that we saw at United and at Sunderland and at Real Sociedad, where he didn't seem to have any confidence. Because I watched Moyes last season, and I watched them against us, if you remember that game, at the uh, at the London Stadium. And I thought tactically he outworked Klopp that day. I thought he, he, he really did put on a very good performance with his team. Now, I think we cost ourselves that game because of errors made in midfield, but I thought Moyes outthought Klopp on the day, but this season I don't think Moyes has outthought anybody. Again, you look at the wins they've gotten, and I mean, Villa were a really bad team under Gerrard. Wolves were awful at that point. Fulham were newly promoted. Bournemouth newly promoted and not very good. Everton under Frank, that's the game that got Frank sacked. Forrest could go down, Southampton probably going down, Fulham on the beach, and then they beat Bournemouth at the weekend. Now, Bournemouth were in decent form going into the game, but West Ham are still a much more talented team. I don't see a result there, a a win there, that's in any way impressive for West Ham. And even a lot of their draws, you know, Spurs, mixed bag, Southampton poor, Leeds poor, Newcastle was a good draw. Uh, Chelsea are poor. The draw with Villa was a good result. The draw with Arsenal. So you've got three draws there this season 
that are pretty impressive. No really impressive wins and an awful lot of defeats. Like an awful lot of defeats. If you've lost 15 of your first 31 Premier League games, you're just not a good team. And West Ham should be a good team because they've got a lot of good players. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, they really have. Uh, you know, we've just been through a, a list of, of frees who, you know, take two of them and add them to a West Ham squad and suddenly it does look like they've got really good depth as well as well as the first 11 being all right they certainly should be a top half club i think by the players that they have i don't see any reason why they shouldn't be above brentford let's say or fulham this season i know fulham mm. have been really good i know brentford have been really good but so should west ham be that's that's how yeah. they get into europe in the first place so i do think there needs to be a little bit of a, a reassessment of where they are or how they want to get to the next spot because they can't just do the exact same again and assume next year will be better otherwise i do think they'll be 14th and around there again player for player are aston villa a better team than west ham because i don't think they are let's have a look fabianski or emmy martinez we'll probably See, go with the world cup winner we would go with the world cup winner but that would be a that would be a more difficult question to answer in my opinion if it was martinez versus Ariola. so again i think west ham have hurt themselves there hmm. um right back just full back as a pair they've they've played young recently but pick who you want and moreno it's, or dinia it's i think it's it's cash and moreno are probably the starting two yeah and they're probably slightly better than sufal and um, Cresswell. Now, I don't think either pair is particularly great, but you'd probably take the Villa pair. I would probably but I think take the Ben Johnson over Cash, though. Yes, that's that's a good point. You probably would. So you go Ben. Let's say Ben Johnson and Moreno as the fullbacks. I think the centre backs are both West Ham. Yeah, I would. I, think, I, I quite like that pairing of Zuma and Aguirre, to be honest. Zuma and Aguirre. Um, in midfield, this is this is the difficult one. I think there's four really good midfielders here who all make a really strong case. I think there's Jacob Ramsey, Lucas Piquetta, and I think they'd be ideal in, say, the, the Emery box midfield. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Rice and you've got Bubakar Kamara. Now, if you're going for a three, it's Rice or Bubakar Kamara. I would prefer Kamara. I think he's more understated. I think he's a lot better defensively. Rice is a bit better on the ball. But if you're playing a four, I think it's two and two. 
let's let's stick with four because you know it's fairly flexible anyway especially given some of the forwards play wide and up front so it doesn't matter too much rice kamara leaving out douglas louise there ramsey and who did you say for the other one lucas piquetta piquetta okay yeah so two and two again and then up front i mean ollie watkins is an is obvious yeah and then but i think it's jared bowen isn't it Bowen for the second yeah so I mean it's but, pretty even split. So there's no it's reason. It's pretty even split. Be... But then if you look at what's who's not getting in, like I'd rather have say Skamaka than Emmy Buendia, personally. Um, I'd rather have Ben Rama than John McGinn. Yeah. Do you know? So there's and again no for Villa to be seventeen points and what seven places or whatever it is ahead of West Ham. Yeah. And on this fantastic run, because like, this is this is the same Aston Villa team that under Steven Gerrard this season looked an absolute atrocity and began the season with two wins from their first 11 games and were sitting in 17th after 11 games. You know, they, they were West Ham. They were in the same area as West Ham for the first third of the season. Emery comes in and it's a complete turnaround. And that's why I do think West Ham need to look at this and think there's no acceptable excuse for us to be here. If Aston Villa can do what they've done just by bringing in a, a good manager, there's no reason we can't do it by bringing in a good manager. Now, next season, the league will get tougher, but... I, I I think those teams are are really evenly split and really evenly matched and and like you said there's there's 17 points now admittedly West Ham have a game in hand so like given the win there it's 14 points 14 points is a huge amount 14 points is the difference between being currently sat in at the bottom of the table or being sat 12th. That's the difference between West Ham and Villa now. Um, if if West Ham win that game in hand, which there's no guarantee of, obviously. But yeah, I, I just think West Ham have so drastically underperformed this season, and the turnaround of late has been has been promising. But again, a lot of it comes down to the fact that they've had a a, a bit of an easier run with with Southampton, with Bournemouth, and with the um, the game against Fulham, where Fulham outplayed them and West Ham won on a spawny goal but Fulham have nothing to play for at this point the draw with Arsenal was a great comeback but then they also got walloped by West Ham by by Newcastle 5-1 at home so there's just it's really hard to judge them what are you expecting from them in terms in terms of the lineup come tomorrow night for West Ham yes oh the exact same as usual Fabianski, Tufal, Zuma, Gerd, Creswell, Rice and Suchek, Bowen, Paqueta, Antonio up front. The only one I wonder about is if Fodnals comes in for Ben Rama just because he scored. Yeah, I think that's probably the only position that's probably up for debate at the, at the moment with, with in Moyes' head, which is just a strange thing. Right, so what about us then? Um, we have played the same team for a couple of games. That generally doesn't happen under Jurgen. We have a game at the weekend. Do you think this is a game he'll make some changes in, or do you think he'll hold the changes off for the game at the weekend? I think we make two changes here. Um, I said 
on yesterday's pod. I'm not sure if that actually has been released yet, has it? You tell me. Um, I think that the West Ham game was the more difficult one of the two Liverpool have this week. Spurs at home. Spurs are shambles. Anfield, obviously, form much better there than it is away from home. I'm still not convinced that we've turned any kind of a corner overall, let alone away from home. I think that the Leeds game, although a very, very welcome three points, was still not a convincing showing for me. Um, despite the scoreline, despite the goals, the performance style, the performance type, where the open play went, how we won the ball back and all the rest of it. No no, no, no complaints. We did well. We, we did the transition work that we needed to and we were clinical. But I don't see that, what we did, as being a very, very sustainable way of playing against other Premier League teams who are not utterly atrocious in defence like Leeds are. Um, so I'm not 100% convinced that we have you know, found the way we need to be. Definitely not away from home anyway. Um, so I do think there will be a couple of changes to make it as aggressive as possible. I think Thiago will come in for this one. And I think we will see either Darwin or Diaz start. Yeah, I could see Jota through the middle. Yeah. And either Darwin or Diaz off the left. Yeah, Cody up for this one. And Cody steps out. Uh, my assumption will be that if Thiago starts, it will be in place of Curtis, um, despite the fact that he's been the best of the midfielders. I think he'll be the one to drop out because, you know, reasons. I, I will say, actually, leaving aside reasons, I don't think that that's the worst thing, you know, if Curtis comes out for this game, just because he hadn't played for months and months and months and has now started four in a row suddenly. So with this one and then, again, like I say, four days and then we play again in three days, it's not the worst thing for him to just have a little breather at this moment, hopefully still have some involvement off the bench at a comfortable moment. But you know, Henderson starting again. Not so much ideal. No. No, less than ideal. Also less than ideal, there is a worry over Ibu Kanate's fitness, but that's a straightforward replacement if Joe Gomez is the one to come in. Now, obviously, it doesn't, it's not the same level of player because Joe has fallen off. Joe at his best would be the perfect one to come in, but yeah. I assume it would be Joe that steps in because he's more fitted to the role. I think Matip would get absolutely destroyed. I don't think he could play that system with Matip. No. Unless Matip played the Virgil role, gotcha. and even then, I, I don't think he's quick enough to do it. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think maybe Joe comes in, Thiago comes in, and, and one of Diaz or Darwin comes in for Gakpo uh, is the likelihood uh, here. Right, so we might as well just do predictions and get, get ourselves done for the day. Uh, what is your prediction? I don't think Liverpool win this game. Do you think they get a point? I'll say yes and be optimistic and go for a 2-2, but I'm honestly not really sure. I, I, I'm sort of torn on West Ham because they've been so annoyingly terrible. I don't know whether they've got these three results and now they'll sort of step off and think, you know, we've, we've done the hard work, we've done what we needed to, we've got ourselves set, and then we've got like you know, Crystal Palace at the weekend, which will be a much easier fixture. Or do they just actually take that confidence and start thinking, right, we've only actually lost once in all competitions now in the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. Do they just carry on playing the same way and beat us? Because I think they're capable. Mm. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm hesitant to say Liverpool get anything out of this, but I'll I'll say we get a draw, two two. Yeah, I was going to go one one. Um, Lucas Paqueta has has found form, and that has directly coincided with an uptick for the rest of the team. I think Rice has finally found a bit of form as well. Um, hasn't been dog walked by anybody in a few weeks, which is a big step up for Declan based on what we've seen this season. Uh, Lavia did it a couple of weeks ago, but that's about the last time. Um, I think they, they need both of them to be at their best. I think they need Bowen um, to be at his best as well. I think that Bowen is going to present a difficult problem for Andy Robertson because if we're doing this three box three and Bowen is playing right wing for them, Robertson's not going to be able to cheat upfield the way he was against Forrest because West Ham will just turn us over and launch the ball into that space for Bowen. And I don't really want to leave Mikel Antonio isolated 1v1 with Joe Gomez because the physicality of, of Antonio has always caused Gomez problems. But I, I'm going to go for a 1-1. Uh, right, we will leave it there. We will be back later in the week with a preview of Spurs. Getting three from us this week, which uh just hope that's been noted at, at Anfield Index Towers. Um, anything you want to plug before we go? Yes, uh, one thing to plug, and that is a piece on the relegation battle. Obviously, we'll be focusing a little bit higher up the table. It's not all that much higher, unfortunately, but... Um... Yeah, there's a, a really, really big week down at the bottom. I think the, the nine who were looking at relegation like three games ago, it's now back mm. basically down to five teams. Uh, so I've had a look at those five, the usual points that teams need to stay up, what Everton are looking like doing, and why this week is a big one for Leicester. So you'll find that on you know, all the Twitters and Facebookings and actionable websites of the independents. So go and read that, please. And uh, the other thing I would say is I found the uh, Wilf Zaha info you were looking for earlier. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So Wilf, obviously, goals is his uh, currency, let's say. At at Crystal Palace, he's much more, over the last three, four years, been a a goal scorer than a creator for them. So in terms of his goals, he's 0.3 XG per 90 uh, for the last three seasons, basically. 0.3, 0.33, 0.3. Before that, it was more like... 0.14, 0.19, 0.34. 0.14, 0.19, 0.34. So for the last five years, he's been about 0.17, let's say, for a couple of years, and then 0.3 since then per 90 for goals. So that's better than the Dama is going to be. That's better than the Dama basically all the time, except for last season with Wolves. He had a 0.24 for the first half of the season. For expected assists over the last nine years, the best for a season that Wilf has put together is 0.19, which is a number Adama Traore has beaten every single season except for one. Yes, but you're failing to factor in one very large thing here. Wilf Zaha played under Roy Hodgson, Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew, Tony Pulis, David Moyes. He hasn't been managed by managers that that allow creativity or goal right. scoring or you know anything of that nature. Adama had Tony Pulis. Adama had Nuno, who was not a fan of shooting the ball. He let him do whatever he wanted. 
I can't even remember who the Aston Villa manager was at the time he was there. Was it like Tactics John Gregory? What? Was it not Tactics Timmy? Was he not there for Tim Sherwood? I can't remember. Was it John John Gregory? It was ages ago, wasn't it? Not him. Oh, I think it was Tim Sherwood. Was it? What year did Tactics Timmy go to Villa? Uh, 2015. Let's see. So it'll be the 15-16 season. It was. It was Tim Sherwood. The man himself. He did get sacked midway through, and they brought in Randy Gard, which was a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic situation. But um, do you know what's funny? I've always, I've always enjoyed looking back at that transfer window for Aston Villa under Tactics Timmy. They bring in Scott Sinclair, who's all right. Mika Richards, who was. 27 and washed at that point. Idrissa Ganagay, who went on to be a really good player. Uh, Jordan Amavi, a good left back. Jordan Ayew, who's still playing in the Premier League today. Jordan Veratois, because Tactics Timmy had a hard on for all people called Jordan, um, who's a, a really good player as well. Adama Traore, Jolian Lescott, and Rudy Gastede, who couldn't kick the ball but was unbelievably good in the air. Like, but Adrissagana Gay, Jordan Veritois, um, those two have gone on to have outstanding careers and both are considered flops at Aston Villa because of tactics, Timmy. <laughs> Tremendous stuff. Right, we, we will leave it there for today. Um, thanks for listening as always and we will see you later in the week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.